You are listening to Citizen Reporter number 459 for the 30th of December 2013. Las flores son rojas, azules y amarillas Mi mirada al verlas brilla, que brilla Está todo oscuro, la noche está avanzada Y qué más da que alumbra el sol allá desde su almohada Hello everyone and welcome to Citizen Reporter Actually live, or wait, we're not live We're live in your ears right now <laughs> and, and we're sitting live at a table This is exciting, this is like one of those recordings where people are doing something in one little area of a very busy space. So it sounds like it's some kind of a newsroom behind us. People are working hard. It actually is our newsroom. We're here in the newsroom Yes. at the 30th Chaos Communication Congress. <laughs> This just in. Citizen <laughs> Reporter. We're in the transmitting area. Wait, what's a good translation for the, the name of this? That's area? why we do it in German, because it's <laughs> there's no translation. Well, the literal translation would be something like uh, broadcast center, which sounds totally boring. The Zentrum in German has a nice touch to it uh, for our ears. So as many of you can tell, explaining where we are and what we're doing, besides me, is a Tim Pritlove, who's sitting to my left. Hello. And you should all remember Tim from previous programs. Many of you might listen to News of the World. If you don't, 2014 is a good year to start. <laughs> It is. <laughs> and further down the table, Mitch Altman is here. Hello. Hi, Mitch. Hey. One of the busiest men at the conference. I, I walked with him, well, I walked yeah, from his area, where he was just finished giving a workshop, And you know, walking with Mitch is 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 quite an adventure. Uh, <laughs> it requires a lot of your senses. You have to watch out for people. Yeah, it, it's it's the equivalent to uh, walking around with a huge magnet. Yes, <laughs> people <laughs> magnet. And I can tell already. You become an expert, and this happens to you too, I'm sure, Tim. You can tell when someone is about to pounce because <laughs> yes. you're you're walking down a hall, and someone might be standing at the at a, kind of at a wall, looking towards you. Yeah, we 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 feel the disturbance in the force. Yeah. One time there was a guy standing there and I wanted to say, like, you want to talk to Mitch, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I can see. It's in your eyes. Yeah, it's, it's very, uh, very interesting. So many people w uh, came to me this time uh, relating yeah. to one or all of my uh, podcasts because I've been you know, really terrorizing them in the last two <laughs> months to finally you know, get over it and just come here to see it. Because I knew it's just going to be amazing and it's even better than I thought it would be. And uh, I'm so happy I was uh, capable of persuading so many new people. Yeah. And yeah, all of them more or less said the same thing, that it was totally worth it. Yeah. And, I mean, Mitch, you and I have been coming to these things almost for as many years. I think we started around the same time. What was that? Uh, 23, so 2000. Do you still have all the badges? No. 23? Really? 23C3. 23C3 <laughs> was my first one. Oh my and, uh, and I've been going since because uh, it's just been uh, the highlight of my year every year. Yeah. And your, your area for, for workshops is, is now massive. Yeah, when I first started, it was a few soldering irons underneath a staircase. And now it's this, what, 2,000 square meters of people making things. Yeah. <laughs> it's just That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, this was really a, a, another huge leap that was totally 
difficult to believe this was even possible two years ago. W what are we at? Like 6,000 people? <laughs> oh, oh, am I late? <laughs> yes. 8,000 people? Um, I, I, uh, I don't know the exact numbers, but we are definitely close to 10,000 now. Okay. That's pretty uh, amazing. It must be some, somewhere between nine and 10,000. Um, so, so folks at home, I can imagine wherever you are in the world, this may all sound very out of nowhere sometimes. So Have you said where we are? No, are we're in uh, Hamburg, Germany. Yes. Now, so many people now, it's connecting in their brains. Hamburg, city in Germany, where I've never been. So I even took a little time this afternoon and started. I got off a few stations early and started walking through the city. Good idea. Uh, yeah, so it's we're in a very beautiful town. Yeah, and not, not so much open on Sunday, but that's... Another yeah, that's Germany. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's changing in a lot of parts of Europe. So I found it interesting that here, Sunday is still a closed day. Yes. Yeah. But so we're at the, uh, the Hacker Congress. And again, listeners probably remember previous years where we've been here doing interviews. Uh, for me, as a, a citizen journalist who loves the hacker community and has learned so much and gained so much from them, um, this is the place where I come to see what's going on, especially in terms of society. And that's actually one of the things I kind of wanted to, to bring on my program this week. If you hear a vacuum sound, that's actually a series of tubes transmitting <laughs> physical <laughs> messages. <laughs> yeah. We, we yes. do have the internet here. Yes. <laughs> right. I, yeah. We're redeveloping it from scratch with yeah. tubes. They laid out tubes around the... And yeah, it just sounds like the cleaning person is coming around, <laughs> but it's actually messages being sent around this place. Physically being sent through tubes, yes. uh, and, and, and quite often they're lit up, and yes. sometimes they're blinking, and it's, it's so beautiful. It looks like something from the movie Brazil. <laughs> Yes. And we learned Let's talk about ducts. <laughs> <laughs> Designer duct work. <laughs> Central services. <laughs> you do the work. We do the pleasure. Yeah. We even got spam, apparently, in the tube. <laughs> yeah. there, was, there was apparently a, a message came through, and it offered penis enlargements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, oh, yeah. you should have sent it back with, make money fast. Yeah. <laughs> I just need your bank account. As per... Every year that we hear, we always talk about how you know there's this place, this community of hackers, which is international, and then there's the rest of the world, right? There's there's the things we do here, and then there's the outside world. Um, when people hear about a hacker congress, surely they still think of computers and they think of evil and and destruction or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and as many people here know, just by looking around, it's uh, it's so much more and and never mind more it's not that it's <laughs> <laughs> not much evil going on here to me this is like a small republic with a bunch of little communities little towns and each town has its specialty and there are some people that go from town to town or some people that stay in their village forever yeah, we, we're in freetown here yeah, free yeah. <laughs> but it is it's very much like villages and uh kind of by design because uh, that's the way camps have been uh and uh, having a uh, uh, like chaos uh, Congress growing so rapidly, so fast, how do we keep it feeling with the same spirit that it has had all these years? And I think collectively, all of us together have accomplished that because it feels so great being here. It's kind of overwhelming just because there's so many cool, amazing things and blinky lights and lasers and uh, and tubes, uh, but. Um, but it, it doesn't feel overwhelming as far as a mass of people, and it's you're not anonymous when you're here, unless you want to be. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah, true. 
I'm always interested in the stuff that relates to society because as much fun as I have here, and this place really does fuel my year or at least half a year. You know, if I was if I wasn't sure about what I was doing or if I didn't have any good ideas lately, which is not the case, but still, um, when I come here, I get that boost. I get that maybe from a conversation or a couple of nice words or more. You know, long dinners, and then for the next six months. This is this is my fuel. You know, this reminds me of what I'm doing and why, or what I should do different. Um, but I always wonder about uh, not that it always has to, but how it connects to the outside world, uh, the rest of our year. You know, what good it does for society and that kind of thing. And we have, I think, a lot of talks nowadays that are not about technology or even anything necessarily technical. Uh, we, I think, we've gotten into a lot of areas of health. Uh, society, politics, we know. Art. Yeah, art, that's right. That's a big one. Um, and, and one of the reasons, Mitch, that I wanted to bring you on this program, besides the fact that I always like to talk to you in, in my life, <laughs> but it's also it, when you're not here, you're traveling and you've got projects that involve people that maybe would never make it to this, um, this gathering. And I'm thinking specifically of stuff you've been doing in China. Yeah. Um, first of all, I mean, your, if I can call it, relationship with China, how did that start? Good question. Uh, probably mostly because I started manufacturing uh, TV Be Gone in China. And TV Be Gone, uh, for people who don't know, is a keychain with one button that you press and it turns TVs off in public places. And it's the only way I've made money since 2004. <laughs> it's, it's like bizarre, but true. And uh, uh, I wanted to make it an initially locally because it makes so much more sense. You don't have to ship this stuff halfway around the planet. And um, uh, it just seemed better to support a local place that manufactures, but it turned out that um, in the United States, uh, whatever I could find in 2003 was low quality and super high price, pretty killer combination. Hmm. So there was no way I could make that work. I started looking elsewhere, Mexico, uh, Philippines, uh, Singapore, uh, but where I found people who had high quality and really good rate and also treated their people very well uh, was in China. And certainly they were a minority of places in China. There were a lot of people there who were being exploited horribly, but I didn't hire those companies to do my work. So I've been going to China once a year since 2003. Hmm. And uh, China in 2003 is a very, very different place than now. Right. And I, I'm certainly no expert on Chinese culture, Chinese, uh, uh, you know, whatever, Asian culture. Uh, but I have this snapshot from my own perspective once a year, and it fascinates me. And ever since I was a little kid, I, would, I was reading about ancient Chinese history and philosophy because for whatever reasons it's fascinated me. But actually being there in the places where all these historical figures have been was really cool. But now my interest isn't in what was, but what is and what can be. Mm -hmm. And as I've been seeing things change there over the years, um, it's been going in what I see as very much the right direction, a positive direction. Things have opened up there tremendously. Um, in the United States, where I am quite a bit still, even though I travel a lot, uh, there's still this interesting notion that's totally wrong that China is a place where everyone's oppressed. Mm -hmm. and everybody's miserable. And everyone's miserable and the sun never shines and everyone wears gray or whatever. I don't know. Uh, it's what we used to think of the Soviet Union back when I was a little kid, which was also not true. Um, but... Um, 
you know, Soviet Union was pretty repressive and it felt like it when you were there. And China used to feel like that when I first started going, but it does not now. Things are opened up tremendously. People are seemingly being encouraged higher up in the bureaucratic pyramid to um, express thoughts that would have been really scary to even think about before because uh, people could get fired or much worse, even disappeared not all that many years ago. Uh, but there are, they're seemingly being encouraged by the people above them in the pyramid up at the top, just sort of standing and watching, and that's encouragement. Um, and wow, they're talking about things like encouraging creativity in individuals mm -hmm. and uh, talking about people need to be given opportunities to live lives they truly love living. I mean, these are things I would say, not like a Chinese bureaucrat, but it is, it's Chinese bureaucrats saying this now. Mm -hmm. And people in the education bureaucracy where I've been focusing, because I love hacking education, it, they've been saying things like this and wanting to bring people in uh, who are creative and can enthuse about creativity and hopefully infect people with creativity so they'll want to go out and be creative and not be so afraid of doing something that might not succeed. Mm. Um, so you've been able to get, if I use the word access, to, to get involved in some kind of educational programs there and give workshops? and. Yeah, quite a bit. Uh, this last trip, uh, well, a, a few trips ago, uh, by giving these talks that I give about my perspective on how things um, seem to be in China and where they could go, I kept getting invited more to give these talks. And I, I, I'm kind of provocative in these talks, uh, talking about uh, people uh, languishing in these bureaucratic positions that they're aiming their whole lives to get into from age zero through um, uh, young adult. That's all they focus on is doing well in these bureaucratic e exams so they can get a high status, high paying position and then sit at a desk pushing papers until they die. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I tell people this after buttering them up saying how great it is they're at the greatest university after studying so long etc and then I give that line about you know getting a high status high paying job in a bureaucracy the citizen you can sit at a desk pushing papers till you die <clears throat> and people's jaws drop because you're not supposed to mention death in China it's really oh. like not you know they don't even use the number four because it sounds like death the word for death and um, there, I just said it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so people just clicked off all over. China. <laughs> uh, they don't even have fourth floors, just like some places in oh, the West don't have thirteen. Thirteen, right? Um, so, anyways, that catches people's uh, attention, and um, uh, half the people just tune out after that. But the other half look horrified because that is what they've been doing, and they know it, and they've thought about it, and they don't necessarily want to, but they feel trapped in that trajectory. And that's what uh, you're supposed to do there. You know, every culture has the things you're supposed to do. You know, in our Western culture, uh, m you know, me growing up white middle class, um, I'm supposed to go out and um, uh, go to high school, do well, and then go to a college and university and do well there, and then get a professional job and get married and go have 1.98 kids and, you know, house in the suburbs and so all of this, all of it. Uh, is not me mm -hmm. <clears throat> and fortunately I had opportunities to do something different the social pressures were strong to do what I was supposed to do but you know like everywhere uh, this is the case but social pressures in China have been particularly strong 
Uh, there's been centuries of Confucianism. There's been centuries of the family system, which has pluses and minuses. Uh, the pluses being people have a strong family to rely upon, but the minuses are you must do what you're supposed to do, otherwise you're a shame upon the family. And that's a lot of pressure to overcome to even try to get a job you might enjoy or to create work you might enjoy as opposed to just getting a high-status, high-paying job in the bureaucracy where you'll sit at a desk and languish and push papers till you die. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but this is what families push people to do. It's what people push themselves to do because they internalize it. It's what um, schools are teaching people to do. It's what schools are for. Um, but that doesn't lead to a good future for individuals or society. Right. It leads to a whole bunch of people innovating towards and using their creativity for innovation towards making more status, higher status and more money. And um, for the time being, that's been making Western goods cheaper and better to ship halfway around the planet. Yeah. And where does that lead? Yeah. You've said many times... Uh one of your newer goals is to get people to quit their jobs. Quit jobs they don't like. Right. <laughs> I should add that. I mean, are we, are we in a gathering here with a lot of people who have perhaps quit their job that they didn't like? Or perhaps these are people who never had a job they didn't like because they grew up in this. Because, you know, we're 30 years old here, right? You've got everything here. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, the majority is probably just living a so-called normal life in a way. But uh, on the one hand, you, could, you can do this and still, you know, be free in your mind. And I think many people get reassured that they it's fine to uh, maintain a critical uh, position in general. You mm -hmm. know, that they're not alone with their mm -hmm. doubts and, and critique of everything, although they have somehow, you know found a place for them that sort of works and makes them as happy as they need to be. Mm. That's okay. Not everybody can be such an outcast like, like Mitch me. and me. <laughs> All of us, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're in a way we're the same. You know, we just come up with some kind of, uh, let's, how could I call my profession? You know, we just make something up and then we, we, we fill it with, with activity. And, you know, that just doesn't work for everybody. Right. No, everyone has to find what works for them. Yeah. You know, that's the whole idea, is uh, finding what works for you as an individual and, uh, and, and having um, enough courage and enough support to go for it yeah. you have to find yourself and in that respect i think this this event is very very helpful yeah it's a, an amazing inspiration and supportive community that's that's why i keep coming back uh that's you know that's my i, I was almost crying the first time <laughs> i came in 2006 it's just like wow i'm home yeah, and, and many, many of the newcomers always say uh, yeah you know i didn't know if i would fit in here or <laughs> if people would talk to me and i've got so minor skills you know and they couldn't all do so so much you know and then uh, we had a very fantastic new idea here this is congress called the uh, chaos partner uh, project uh, which basically means people who are more or less experienced in this event for you know for some be here for some time, uh, you know. Take people who are new 
you know, and, and, and walk around <laughs> the place. Yeah. That's so simple. I, I, I don't understand why we haven't <laughs> done this for oh, years yeah. now, you know? I think informally they have. Sort of yeah, informally, informally that's it's the formal. point, you know. But, yeah. but, but now, uh, just to institutionalize this uh, a bit, it's, it's just a great idea. And mm. on the first day, they had like more, more than 100 people. Yeah, you know? that's cool. And, and, and the first thing they learn is that you can actually go to every single table, you know, and ask something, and then people will sort of you know, uh, encapsulate you in some kind of spoken user manual for everything. You know, it's uh, here's the explanation. Yeah, you wanted a question. You wanted to, uh, to have an answer for your question. Here it is. And now I'm telling you the Bible of my stuff. You know, I'm working yeah. on, and that's really eye-opening. And then they understand that you know it doesn't matter, and that most of them are at at one point in their life. You know have stood around somewhere or even at the Congress and felt minor and, you know, incapable of everything and then started <laughs> doing stuff. And it's also something you get used to in these days. I think that it's important to have more than one skill. So many people think still they have to learn a job and then they have to repeat, 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 mm -hmm. which is both boring and not really safe oh, as well. Sucking. Yeah, <laughs> And soul-sucking. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, I think it's uh, also true for all three of us that we have been, you know, exploring this, and then we thought like, huh, maybe it's not that good. Uh, exploring <laughs> that, and we all didn't really know where this was all leading to. And then finally, we found something like where you could put in all those experience and put them together. Yeah. You know, uh, the 30% capability you have here plus the 70% capability here, and then you add the 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 the, the one tiny bit where you're totally on 120%. On top of it, and that makes the cake. And yeah, that's it. That's why I'm podcasting. Mm. You know? <laughs> yeah, and that, that's that's what happens when you explore and then do what you love. It's just amazing magic happens, and it's so much easier when there's a supportive community which shows you that it's not only possible but it's a good thing to do. And so many people here have been exploring in so many ways. Um, and even if it's something, uh, you know, I've, you know, of course, we've all been trying different things. Even if it's something that it's not like trying it to see if it's what I want to do with my life, it's just something new to try. Yeah. You know, and like these, um, like I just did today, uh, Arduino for Total Newbies workshop. And uh, all these people are doing it. It's not like they're trying to see if this is going to be their life, but a lot of software geeks uh, who are incredible with software are trying uh, just to see, well, got to learn something about hardware. I mean, software can't even work if there's hardware, hardware to run it on. So they want to see just a little bit about what, what it's about hmm. and have a nice, safe, fun way to do it. And uh, then there's other people who are trying to see if this is something they really want to do and they know nothing to start with. Um, people have all these different motivations, but having the community... Uh, I mean, for me, it always does come down to community. Yeah. And having the community around who supports people in doing that is just great. Yeah. Uh, so people, I mean, that's what I found. You know, I'm an introverted geek. Uh, mm -hmm. If I'm out in society or at a cafe, I'm not going to feel comfortable just walking to someone in another table and saying, hey, uh, <laughs> uh, then what do I say? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But here, you can walk up to pretty much absolutely anyone and say, yeah. what, do you, what do you play with? What yeah. are you working on? What do you like? I've been in several s tables or circles sitting around, and someone will come and sort of stand over us and go, C can I heard you guys say whatever word, eggs. You know, uh, Syria, yeah, eggs. <laughs> can, I, can I sit in? Because I wanted to talk about eggs or Syria. <laughs> and, and they sit in. You know, it's, it's, uh, and, and at first you're like, 
we don't know you, but have a seat. You know, that's the next <laughs> logical thing. Like, have yeah. a seat. Yes. Uh, yeah. I had a great experience. Um, a, a mutual friend of all of ours who has been in this scene since the very beginning, uh, one of, he's here with one of his sons who's now... 15 years old, maybe 16, and we have a lot of those cases now, right? You have teenage sons who are, who are here, or daughters, uh, doing things. And he came to sit with his father and, and myself and a few people. And of course, as it goes, his father is speaking, and he doesn't say so much. It happens very often, you know, he doesn't know us as well. Father goes away for a little while, and he stays with us. We're having a discussion about introvert versus extrovert and how you handle that in a social situation at home and so forth. And he sees an opportunity to speak and he jumps in and he says, well, I'm an introvert, but, but what I like to do, and he gives this whole long explanation about his fears and his strategies for dealing with it. And all of a sudden you realize, in case I, I, I was doubting it a little, I thought a teenager wouldn't be interested in all these old folks, you know, older folks conversation. He had listened to every single thing we said and he had all kinds of uh, sort of, not advice, but, but reflections on all of it. And I had no idea. I knew this boy since he was little, but I had no idea that he he had thought so hard about our topic. I thought our topic was boring. You know, it's, you, you, sometimes I underestimate uh, what can happen here or when you connect with someone. I think like, ah, I'm too old, they're too young or something like that. No. That just doesn't matter. It's, it's the topic and what you have uh, for input. Yeah. And uh, things are taken on for the merit of what you say and do and not so much for um, what got you there. Yeah. There, are, there was a sense to him, I think, even going into this conference, it's the 30th. Uh, of course, 30 years is impressive on its own, but it's also the kind of I told you so year. Uh, yes. Although I told you so has been a theme for a while. And when I say I told you so, I'm talking about everything from the possibilities of your information being used against you, spying, uh, but we have other I told you so's. Uh, uh, trans well, it's mostly about information and privacy. But yeah, it's basically everything. And yeah, that the NSA is listening to everything that we're doing, and it's like, now we're not conspiracy theorists, now we're just like, oh, yeah, you were right. What do we do once you've been right? Then what? I mean, what? Because Glenn that's Greenwald... That's boring. That's so boring. <laughs> like, Glenn Greenwald gave this talk, uh, which, I, which I watched, and I have read much of what he's written and listened to him speak, and he lays it all out, the problems we have in this world now regarding information, journalism as well, and, and freedoms and the threats to freedom. But at the same time, he said, I'm optimistic. And he had this whole side of what I'm optimistic about because of, and if I could summarize it, gatherings such as this and people coming out of this community. That was really very interesting. And I, I had the feeling that he somehow in this last six years discovered this scene, you know, this, 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 this movement, that he was probably aware that it existed somehow, but which uh, was never as close and never as important for him personally. And, um, I mean, you know, describing uh, his, uh, his way into improving his skills on cryptography and understanding <laughs> these complex systems and using it. It was, he had this, you know, this happy face that you see here around, like, <laughs> yeah, and I tried it really, and TrueCrypt didn't work. It was, like, so happy. And then, you know, yeah. Snow looks was like, yeah, that's for babies. Uh, come on, <laughs> we have to move on. <laughs> it's getting even more complicated. But he was still like, oh, oh my God, if there's so many people who actually care about this, this thing, there, there is a path. That might mm -hmm. be his view, you know, is uh, coming out of his journalist niche <laughs> yeah. somehow, but it was also very encouraging for the scene here, and I think that's one of the many reasons why he got really, like, 
the most amazing standing ovation yeah. I've ever seen at least on this a, event. A video speaker. Yeah, I yeah, <laughs> saw him here. like, and, and, and the moment this, you know, this was, you know, happening, you know, this energy, you really saw like he was like pushed back five or ten centimeters from the screen, like. What the hell is coming back on this channel? It's like, oh, 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 stop it. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> it was really uh, interesting. Yeah, it was an amazing event. And we had like 5,000 people watching it here in the three main rooms. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, this was big. It's To me, it's still the same feeling as I had on the first uh, event. Yeah, it is. It doesn't really matter that it's so much bigger now. I mean, I love the achievement. I love especially this uh, mixing with this uh, party uh, mm -hmm. event culture, you know, mm -hmm. this this room. I mean, all of, all of us, you know, when yeah. we first saw this party room down there, uh, <laughs> what did you do? Like, there's what the hell? <laughs> there's a room that looks like a nightclub. It's, I, yes, but, but it's it's a post-apocalyptic <laughs> nightclub you know, with a water cannon tank and a crashed car yes. and all these black things poking out here and there. And I uh, was in some kind of a beautiful ship. beach bar, wooden beach bar, which was yeah. built on the spot. You know, yeah. this was created here for the first time. I want to make sure to talk about. I mean, you guys have multiple projects, but um, for each of you, there's one project I want to talk about, especially from the last year. Um, Mitch, one of them that I wanted to make sure, we, we touched on China before, and I want to bring it back to China now. Um, the Hackers in Residency program. Uh, I mean, if I think about it in residency, that makes me think of artists in residency. I've seen that in different cities, where an artist yeah. stays somewhere for a little while, um, maybe there's some funding to, to support that, and can do their work and can interact with a, a community. Hacker in Residence and China. Just, Give us the laydown. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been artist in residence uh, a few times, and it's been incredible experiences in my life. Um, I offered uh, as much as I could to where I was at, and um, helped a lot of people, and I learned so much. And it was an inspiration for me to do some really cool projects. And one of my most popular kits uh, came out of my first artist in residency. Uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, at a really cool uh, artist space. And um, when we started NoiseBridge, one of the ideas was to have hackers in residence as something built into NoiseBridge. And that actually didn't end up happening, but it's been something that me and other people have been thinking about for a long time. And there's been uh, recently, now that there's several hacker spaces in the San Francisco Bay Area, we've been getting together and talking about how we can have hackers in residency uh, amongst uh, all the hacker spaces there, as well as bringing people in from all over the world. And so there has formed an international hackers in residence program uh, from the networking that's been going on. We have a page on hackerspaces.org, uh, hackerspaces.org uh, residency page. And there's, I don't, last I looked, there was um, something like 80 hackerspaces that want to be part of this. And um, for my trips to China, uh, I thought it would be really good fit for the universities there who were are wanting to explore 
having more creativity, uh, opportunity for more uh, creativity for their students rather than just rote test taking, <laughs> uh, which is a problem all over the world. Uh, but they're actually pushing for uh, people to explore creativity. Uh, if the schools were part of this international hackers in residence program, that could be a really great uh, tool for them to bring creative people in to infect people with their enthusiasm <laughs> for creativity and innovation in doing what they love just for the love of it and not towards making you know, Western goods uh, cheaper and better or whatever and not just for making money. And you could still do all those things, but not just those things. And the bureaucracy, uh, the bureaucrats in the education system who I ended up meeting are totally high on it. And over a period of three years, uh, with this one maverick professor uh, who came from uh, outside of China, he came from um, Taiwan, he can, as an outsider, push in ways that others can't. And me, as a total outsider, can say crazy non-Chinese things and get away with it. And this has become popular there. And I ended up meeting the uh, president of the most prestigious, what's considered the most prestigious school in all of China, um, Tsinghua <laughs> University, the MIT of China. And, uh, you know, it's a place where they have the best test takers on the planet. That's not a good thing. Uh, <laughs> people have been studying and studying and studying to get, to get good on their tests so they can do good in this school, so they can get in that school and do well in the test, so they can get into the best school where they take more tests so they can get this bureaucratic position. And they're the best take, test takers in the world. That's what they filtered for. Mm. But they're, they are intelligent. So what if these same people were exposed to people who were doing what they totally thought was awesome and loved um, and were sharing that with them? You know, like an artist in residence, but not limited to just what people consider to be art. Yeah. Um, and they're going for it. So now they're part of it. And the Tsinghua is offering one to three month residencies, all expense paid trips for hackers from anywhere in the world to come, including China. Hopefully yeah. at some day it'll be mostly people from China doing these things because yeah. there's a billion people, there's over a billion, it's a seventh of the planet, it should be a seventh of the people bopping around, sharing what they know right. uh, at hackerspaces and schools and libraries now all over the world. So some of them, they don't offer a whole lot, but they uh, offer a space, some tools, studio space. Others, they offer, like Tsinghua, fully all expenses paid, and all you have to do is be a mentor uh, and a hackathon, run a hackathon. Uh, Beijing Makerspace, the name of the big hackerspace in Beijing, is offering a similar thing, but there they want you to be there for um, three to six months. Still, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And they have amazing tools there, yeah. like amazing tools. At Tsinghua, they don't just have a 3D printer. I mean, MakerBot, <laughs> this is like a thing the size of this room that prints in metal and ceramics and teeny little uh, resolution or big coarse things, whatever, and uh, things that uh, CNC mill that can like print buildings. And it's, it's just amazing. And then Beijing Makerspace, they, they also have a budget for bringing in creative people. They also have a budget for uh, laser cutters that are, you know, bigger than you know, <laughs> whatever. And uh, uh, yeah, it's amazing. So going there is not just uh, out of altruism, yeah. uh, but it does feel good helping people. But you get a lot out of it by uh, having access to these tools and people who can help your projects. Yeah. 
It's impressive. It, it, it reminds me a little of that whole goal of like, yes, we have something amazing here, amazing things happen, inspiring things happen, but now outside of this building and these days, we can do, yeah, we can inspire. And, and people can inspire each other and maybe people who never even came here in the, in the near future. For the nerds out there, or for the non-nerds, you know, there is a system called WordPress which, with which you can write your, your website or your blog, whatever you want to call it. You, but you and a, a large community of volunteers have created a plugin that makes podcasting possible in lots of different ways that in, actually never quite existed in this way before. Did you know uh, what you were starting? Yes. <laughs> I, I, and I know where I want to lead this to. I'm still far away. <laughs> yeah. Where do you want to lead it to? Oh, <laughs> well, I would like to lead it to uh, uh, the the audio web. You know, um, I've learned that uh, through podcasting, I've learned again that that you know, talking to each other is just the most important communication skill we have. You know, that's how humanity has transferred the uh, the complete knowledge of the world to the next generation, you know, until they finally came up with things like writing and reading and later on recording and stuff. Uh, so this, this oral communication you know that's just uh, important and uh, podcasting in particular has freed this uh, 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 way of communication from this monolithic huge broadcasting institutions you know with the on the top of the pyramid and here is the information we can give to you and uh, when radio was born we've seen it used for propaganda and you know the Nazis used it uh, a lot and, and, and it was a very problematic thing so it's one of those uh, uh, mediums that needs to be democratized as much as possible and podcasting for the first time has made this possible because you know you no longer have to own a frequency to send and uh, receiving so easy and nowadays we're here with our smartphones and now you know it's much easier to receive a podcast or a live internet radio stream than it would be to receive FM radio you know who has an FM receiver here nobody you know and um, so that was obvious when when podcasting uh, at least was obvious to me that we are going to you know it's all leading to the situation where networks are going to be ubiquitous and whatever the devices are called to receive that stuff as well hmm. that's where we're here uh, now and uh, but the tools to produce this you know and you know it you know when you do it it's recording the technology and the microphones you have to learn so much and so many things to make uh, wrong and and, yes. and then this hasn't really improved that much because you're still dealing with the physical side of it but once it comes to just publish this stuff this was also such a pain in the ass and I hated it and it took so much uh, <laughs> time. time from me you know and it was and, and not only the time also that you can make so many uh, uh, different so many different errors and mistakes uh, along that path you know that you yeah. think you've published it but then a day later you found it you just didn't or you published mm -hmm. the wrong one or whatever so uh, what was needed is a, is or what is still needed is a, a, a guided workflow where you can you know publish easy and as errorless as possible and that's what we were aiming for this plugin for the WordPress site this Podlove publisher uh, that's sort of like the first step that's what you know was needed because every single self-hosting podcaster in this world is using WordPress that's just mm -hmm. the reality and, mm -hmm. and, and, and for a programmer it's uh, uh, you know it's hell 
<laughs> because it's not really, you know, if you're a good programmer, you don't really, you wouldn't say that WordPress is the operating system you <laughs> want to program in. But it's there and the podcasters are there and I'm using it and you're using it. <laughs> so that that's our path of, you know, first we try to get all those experienced podcasters to, you know, here's the new tool. Uh, you can do everything you did before with it and it's easier and you won't make as many errors. And also we here is a bunch of interesting new features that you couldn't use before. Mm. And after two years we have now a stable base so publishing itself is not a problem anymore and now we keep adding uh, features and features and features and especially the last weeks have been very exciting because we've been uh, adding features and now it's like every new feature can be combined with all the other features and mm. you know it multiplies in, 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 in its variety and it's a very um, very interesting way and, and you know that's where we're heading but in the end Uh, we're looking for, I'm, I'm looking for a, um, a, pub, a, a platform that is not only dealing with the core stuff, but is also incorporating the community mm -hmm. where listeners can uh, connect in, uh, be it in a live recording by participating in a chat or taking show notes or, uh, you know, structuring the timeline for the recording or just uh, even uh, giving feedback in real time to the podcasters. Um, where they can uh, pour in translations, pour in transcriptions, uh, fix it all to the timeline, pour in geographic references, references to the Wikipedia world, <laughs> you know, uh, create complex archives out of it, make it searchable, make it indexable, and so on. And what's amazing is, I mean, there are other projects like this in the world in terms of how it's created, but it's not one person, one mad scientist, you know, working and creating something. You're doing this in collaboration with... Yeah, I'm, I'm not programming a, a, a thing. <laughs> I'm just uh, yeah. looking for people who more or less share the same vision, have capabilities and put them together. So I'm more the community manager of this uh, project and, and, and trying to do everything. You know, I'm looking for funding, I'm uh, organizing uh, meetings and events and uh, stuff like here uh, uh, to make them all uh, happy and feel good about this while doing doing this work and also give the opportunity to learn as much as possible because we're also aiming for the best possible implementation which is you know the motivation of good programmer needs yeah you're the conductor of a very talented orchestra that's what you are <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> well we've got to go because yes. uh, people are eager to to sit here and in this lovely corner uh, recording studio to come and sit and record uh, yeah and this and is also you know part of this idea yes. you know the, the create not only software but also places and, and opportunities you, know, you don't have to bring your own complex stuff to this event you can just sit here and record and all you need is an SD card so yeah. simple you know <laughs> yeah. it just has to be done you know yeah. and I think this uh, is going to be here for next years great tradition okay. tradition <laughs> tradition uh, Mitch Tim thank you so much yes, and Mark. it's good Thanks. to see you guys good to have you guys on my program and I'm glad to be able to share it with people And now let's move on with our, our day three of the Congress. See you all next time. Bye. 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 
hermosos si tú quieres que así sea La noche de diciembre es ahora una odisea Llueve y hace viento que sopla desde el polo Pero mi bici vuela sobre el verano El verano me lleva por la noche de diciembre El destino no conozco, aún no tiene nombre Espero que al llegar me sea todo indiferente Olvidar es lo que quiero y que la negrura se espante No me preguntes por qué Porque que yo tampoco lo sé, que no, que no me preguntes por qué, que yo tampoco lo sé, no me preguntes por qué, que yo tampoco lo sé, que sea.